All right, all right. In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice, and we're happy that you are spending some time with us, us being Chip Brown, longtime Longhorns insider at Horns 24-7, and the one and only Zay Collier. Zay, what up, what up? what is going on, my man? Chip, what's happening, dog? Great to be here. Very happy to be a part of Texas Sports Unfiltered. We have a crazy team with Brad Kellner and Trey Allen. Y'all just heard those guys. Yeah, as you and, just witnessed. Yeah, Bucky Gobble's on the team from Kevin Dunn, Adam Wagner, and the great Chip Brown, who has been around since I was in diapers doing it big. Man, oh, it's an absolute I'm, blessing and an honor to work with you, my friend. Thank you, Zay. That is a nice way of saying I'm the radio <laughs> slut of Austin, Texas. Yo, uh, you get around. Just about everybody. You get around. I'm not going to lie. But I'm saving the best for last, baby. I'm, I appreciate I'm a that. huge fan of Zay Collier. I've I've been listening. And uh, and so when we had the opportunity to put this together, I was like, okay, I need some young, fresh, hip, you know, guy who knows sports, who knows pop culture to balance out this old man who's been around so long that, like, I've outlasted, I mean – I hate to say it. I mean, RIP, my man, Bill Little, the sports information director at Texas. Yeah. I can't believe he just passed away because I've been talking to Bill for 30 plus years. You know, he's been the guy who, um, along with John Bianco, who you would coordinate all of your, you know, Texas coverage with, get your credentials from all that. And, um, and so, God bless Bill Little. And, you know, they've Absolutely. named the press box for him at Texas. And uh, when I heard he had passed away over the weekend at age 81, man, I was I was crushed because I've I spent I've spent hours in Bill Little's office researching football games, basketball games from the past. That dude was the walking encyclopedia of of uh, of Texas football for sure. And if you needed to know anything about Daryl K. Royal or anything that was going on with the wishbone and 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 all the politics that have been a part of Texas athletics, especially football, um, you would go to Bill Little. And so um, that's how old I am, Zay. I've been around since, uh, man, since the early 90s here in Austin covering the Longhorns. And, and we actually have a level of excitement. I was talking to some of the the guys about it today after the Steve Sarkeesian press conference. And we were looking at each other saying, when was the last time you felt this good about a Texas football team going into the season? And you probably have to go back to 08 or 09. Ooh, that's a long time ago. That's, that's a long, long time, time ago. ago. How old were you in 08, Zay? Oh, A, I was 17 years old. 17. Just, yeah, 17. Just, just, just trying to figure things world. out. Exactly. Just trying to figure things out. But yeah, RIP to Bill Little. I didn't get to meet him, which is unfortunate, but heard so many good things. What he's done for just Texas sports media, all the baseball games, 37 bowl games, 25 trips to Omaha, the books that he put out. Like Bill Little, when it comes to the University of Texas, it doesn't get much more Texas than Bill Little. So I know he'll definitely be missed by a lot of people. And 
and yeah, he's paved the way for a lot of guys, including yourself and including myself too. Even though I didn't meet him, I know he's paved the way for guys like me with what people see in Texas media. So yeah, absolutely. Shout out to him, man. Yeah. I'm excited. This is going to be a great show. And for people who don't know, uh, I'll just, let's just pull back the curtain. Zay, tell, tell, tell the folks about yourself, your, uh, your pops, um, you know, introduce yourself to, uh, to the folks listening to uh, Chip and Zay here in our debut episode on the Texas Sports Unfiltered app and on the YouTube oh. channel. Oh, yeah, for sure. And subscribe to Texas Sports Unfiltered, YouTube, get our app. Yeah, subscribe to everything. It helps out everybody. But, yeah, just a kid from Austin, Texas, born and raised. Absolutely love this city. Grew up a UT fan. Both of my parents, they actually went to Texas State. But when you grow up in this city, how could you not be a UT fan? I remember the first game that I went to, it was the game, I think, um, Gosh, it was a North Carolina game. Back was already at Texas, but it was a North Carolina game. And there was a famous, famous dive into the end zone. I can't remember right now. I know Chris Bennett, shout out to UCB, been one of our biggest fans since, you know, the days at the old station. But somebody did a nasty somersault in the end zone. And I was Priest Holmes, I think. That was in the Sun Bowl, right? Uh, I no, no, it was at DKR. The Priest was a little bit before my time. Oh, oh, oh. that was Corey. I was in diapers. Corey Redding, that exactly. Corey Redding did a nasty flip somersault after a uh, for a pick six, yep. and I I remember DKR just jumping. And again, that was against North Carolina. That was you know when even a. Big 12 game, but it was popping that DKR, and I fell in love ever since. And we, we all know when, you, when you're when you a Texas fan, there's the ups and there's the downs. And there have been way too many downs as of late. And that's also, those are things that I think are going to change. But, yeah, man, growing up, city of Austin, went to Bowie High School, played for my pops, big basketball guy you know he was the head coach there for about 30 something years and you know kind of just finessed my way into this media market working in radio working with great people like brad and trey and bucky gobble and producing for those guys and hey here i am now blessed to be with the great chip brown so yeah my media career even though it's still fairly young i've done a lot in these last five or six years and I'm forever grateful for the people that I've worked with and the area that I work in. So yeah, it's been a fun ride and ready to keep it going. Well, Zay, we've got uh, our man, Chris Bennett wants to know where's your neck pillow, man. Yo, okay. So the thing about the neck pillow, I've been getting a lot of that as of late. I understand the neck pillow. It was a part of me at the other station in radio. But a big reason why, with where I worked, you would always have to look up and stuff at the monitors and the computers. And now that I'm sitting at the crib, I'm already comfortable enough. I don't need a neck pillow. Like, I'm looking down. Like, I don't need a neck pillow. Now, if people are requesting that enough to where I have to bring it back, I'm not against that either. But I just want to try without the neck pillow for a little bit. But I'm not going to lie. I do feel a little bit naked. <laughs> I, hey, I'm not gonna front. Your boy a feels chapter. a little bit naked. It is. It it's is. a new chapter. It's a new feel. 
Yeah, just trying to, you know, try some things different. Got the Austin FC shirt on today, so he's repping the Verde, even though they're struggling a little bit this year. But, yeah, man, this is just a new chapter in my life, and the neck roll, it might be left behind, but that's okay. That's okay, right, yeah. I, right. I am a little bougie now, Anthony. Anthony said I'm a little bougie. I, I am a little bougie, and you should get a little bougie as you, you know, work your way up. This is a new situation. I'm very proud to be with Texas Sports Unfiltered. So, yeah, I'm going to be a little bougie on them. Please believe me. I love it. I love it. Uh, this yeah. comes in from uh, Mexican Cuban. I choose happiness now that I get some chip and Zay. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and SD says, uh, I first listened to Chip back in 08 when he was with Sean Adams. R.I.P. Sean Adams. R.I.P. Um, he'll always be a part of any show that I'm, I'm doing. Cause that dude taught me so much about life and just, um, you know, aspiring to be better in everything. If you have a dream, chase it. You got one life to live. And, um, in fact, Chris Bennett, our man CB says, uh, the dream is free. The hustle sold separately. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, and this is, you know, we're, we're going to be talking some Texas, obviously, at the beginning of uh, of the show pretty much every day uh, because we are T-minus 12 days to football season for the Texas Longhorns, even less than that for um, for some of college football. And, and, of course, we got NFL preseason games going. We'll get to some of that, some of the tough news, some of the good news uh, coming out of the weekend, um, obviously, with B. John Robinson continuing to do his thing. But um, DeMarvin overshone the, the torn ACL. We'll, we'll get to that, but it's, um, you know, I mean, Zay, it's been a long time since, since I've felt this good about a Texas football team. And I know, um, Joe K says, I'm still not drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, hopefully after Alabama, I'll have a reason to drink some and I get it. I get it, man. I've said the Texas fan base has got battered fan syndrome. They've been, they've been yanked and pushed and pulled and, and been told uh, what Joe Tessitore said, we're back for that Texas Notre Dame game. And in 20, uh, 2016. And, and then Sam uh, said, we're back after the sugar bowl. Yeah. And, and then it's like psych banana in the tailpipe, um, hoodwink, whatever you want to say. And so I get it. In fact, I get, I, I joke all the time about reaching for the Tums every time I start saying that Texas looks like a team that could go 10 and two or, or better, or should win the big 12 because it's just like last year, I said eight wins and Arch Manning would be a success. And they won eight games and they got Arch Manning. And it was like, yeah, but this year, I look at it and I say, you know, if if these guys can stay healthy, they've got talent. They've got enough talent to win the Big 12. They're the most talented team in the Big 12. And that doesn't always translate to the, to the championship because, heck, K-State won the Big 12 title last year. Not TCU. TCU played for the national championship, but they didn't win the Big 12. Um, and that's that says a lot for where the Big 12 is these days. If a team could not win the conference championship and still make it into the college football playoff, because that was like a wow, TCU, Sonny Dykes taking the, yeah. you know, taking the 
the culture that Gary Patterson had left there, uh, well-coached team, bunch of veterans. Their average age was 23 years old, Zay, last That's year. That's an old-ass group. That's, That's like BYU old. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's like dudes coming back from their mission old. Yeah. And Texas sure. was not even – their average age of their uh, starters was not even 20. So – just as these guys evolve as, as football players and, you know, and come together more and believe in each other more, you start to think, Oh man, is this going to be a special season? Yeah, absolutely. And you think about that Kansas State team that won the Big 12 last year and got absolutely drove in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, Bryce Young, Saban and crew, which that was a pissed off Nick Saban. He's made it very clear that he thought in 2022 his Crimson Tide team should have been in the college football playoff, maybe over a TCU, which we saw last year, TCU, they had to come back in a lot of those games just to win. I mean, it wasn't always pretty, even though they rolled through the regular season schedule and then end up losing the Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. But yeah, this Texas team has so much optimism to them. There's so much promise. And Steve Sarkeesian's year three here, going five and seven in year one, eight and five last year, just here at Texas, that's not good enough. Maybe for some other programs in the state and in the nation, that's okay. But at the University of Texas, that's always going to be unacceptable. And you're right, Chip, with what we've seen with this roster, how he's built it, bringing in Arch Manning, guys like Jonte Cook, guys like Anthony Hillen, bringing guys like Jordan Whittington back in, A.D. Mitchell in the transfer portal, Isaiah Nayor coming off of that ACL injury. Everything seems to be looking on the right side of this Texas Longhorn football team. And really, I didn't even mention the defense. And, you know, even though they lost a couple of guys, you still got that dude playing middle linebacker and Jalen Ford, who got absolutely hosed for defensive player of the year in the Big 12 last season against Felix. My, I don't even know my man's last name. He has one of the most difficult names in football, the Kansas State edge rusher. <laughs> Felix on your Duke Uzama. There we go. There we go. That's you being the professional in this relationship. But, yeah, man, I – and that, that gives something for Jalen Ford to play for. Like, you know, obviously you want to win, but if I were him, you know, number 41, that pissed me off a little bit. When I'm having all those double-digit tackle games and stuff like that, it would piss me off that they didn't think that he was good enough to hoist that trophy and him coming back and being the leader of this defense with so many other guys. You know, that's a little chip on his shoulder to play for. But the secondary, like, they could be very special. We've heard a lot of great things about, you know, Malik Muhammad coming in as a freshman and what he could bring to the table, which at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if what age you are. It doesn't matter if you're a freshman, red shirt guy, senior. It doesn't matter. If you can step on that field and produce – then you're going to be able to get some playing time and make some things happen. So overall, what we've seen with this Texas team in the past, usually an injury or two could really muck things up to where the whole season can unravel. And I think even at the quarterback position, God forbid, knock on wood, if there were a quarterback situation where that 
QB one goes down, big number three gets injured like he did last year. You feel very confident in QB two, whoever that may be. We hear Arch Manning's doing very well as of late. We know Malik Murphy, who looks like a dadgum defensive end, but he's playing the quarterback position. We've heard the promise with him. You feel confident with the rest of this roster that that guy could come in and get the job done. So, yeah, I'm very excited about this team. And, yeah, Rice next week, that's going to be a fun game. But we all know the real one. When you go to Alabama and play against Saban's crew, we're going to learn a lot that day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about great motivation um, having a game week two at Alabama where they have a 20-game home winning streak. They haven't lost at night at home since 2015. That will serve as motivation for you in this ridiculously um, hot summer. I don't even know. Hot doesn't do it justice. We're, we're like living in a blow dryer. We're like living in the middle of the heat lamp of the blow dryer. Um, it's like God has a magnifying glass over Austin right now. But yo, and, yo, Chip, and you see this complexion too. That sun attracts dark. So me outside is that's trouble. That's trouble. I can't be outside very often. So just thinking about these guys going through practice, thinking about how hot it's going to be on that field during the Rice game. Man, salute to all of these guys. Because and again, with that, Steve Sarkeesian, he's talked about it. A lot of people are going to play. We're going to see a lot of new faces on the field just because you want to keep guys fresh. Like that first week, that's the week where you always see guys going down, calling the train, hey, hey, come help, because they're cramping up, Charlie horses, this and that. Like you can hydrate all you want, but this heat going at full speed, it's something serious. And when you have a team as deep as this, I think it's going to be beneficial when you play on these hot days like you are and through the next month of September. Yeah, and that probably leads us into um, what Steve Sarkeesian was talking about today, which is the fact that they've been through their two uh, tackle to the ground, full contact, uh, UFC, jiu-jitsu, you know, scrimmages, and they don't have any major injuries. Knock on wood, uh, whatever you got to do, all that. But um, that is significant because – Zay, you said it, man. You got to stay healthy. The, the teams that stay healthy win. TCU stayed healthy last year. And in Texas, when they won the national championship in 05, they had one starter miss one game. Brian Who Robinson. Who was that? Brian okay. Robinson missed one game. All the other starters played every game of that 13 and 0 season. So, um, and my man, Goose Goslin, longtime uh, NFL writer for the Dallas Morning News, every year does a injury rankings list. And typically the teams that have had the fewest injuries are the teams in the playoffs. So it is a significant deal. And Steve Sarkeesian has even said that the depth that this team has, that they feel like they could withstand an injury or two. Now, we can get into what positions they can or cannot withstand an injury or two, but that, you know, that's just a different conversation than what we've been having here the last 10, 13, 14 years. And, and so we'll see, we'll see if these guys, um, you know, kudos to Tori Becton, the, the strength and conditioning coach for, 
you know, keeping these guys in shape because, man, these soft tissue injuries and this kind of heat, you're getting dehydrated, everything. You can have, you know, ripped up hamstrings, all kinds of problems that that could end up nagging you. They have not had those issues. So um, Savion Red, the 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 uh, uh, receiver turned running back, is out, but not too much longer. He was only going to be out two weeks, and that was like ten days ago. So, um, you know, it's been it's been a good good run. And Steve Sarkeesian said today that um, the defense continues to set the tone, and um, the offense came on a little bit in the second half of this scrimmage on Saturday. They ran about 150 plays. Um, Quinn Ewers connecting with Xavier Worthy on a on a deep ball, um, and he you know gave out some uh, some attaboys, none more so than for Tavondre Sweat. I heard he was so dominant, Zay, that uh, they took him out of the first scrimmage because he was just making life miserable uh, for the uh, offensive line that he was going up against. Now. They've had it where the ones have been going against the twos. So the one defense going against the two offense. And I think that's partly why people got so excited about Arch Manning last week, running for 50 yards and a touchdown and getting locked at 20 miles an hour, Zay. Okay. All right. Let's relax. Is that true? Ain't no way. I've heard Sark say that. Ain't no way. You buying this? Arch Manning's out here running like Michael Vick. That's some serious speed now. Now, if he's close, that's flying. That's flying. Eli and Peyton, they damn sure won't do nothing like that. So now, Grandpa Archie, he could go back in the Saints days. You know, he was very fleet of foot. He was very fast. You think think he got those Archie jeans? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it skipped the generation. Because <laughs> here's the thing. If if Archman is running 20 miles an hour, Tory Beckton needs a raise. True. Like, he needs that Chris Del Conte raise. Yeah. He needs that Chris Del Conte raise. Hello. Shout out. Yeah. Chris yeah, Del Conte I, getting that raise over the weekend. Yeah, um, well-deserved. Yeah, well-deserved. Probably he's going to make $3 million in the final two years of that deal in uh, – uh, what 29 and and 30 um but uh it's 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 still not enough for what he's been doing for for Texas but um we'll get to Chris Del Conte too here in a minute but um so the, yeah, the team... I, I don't know if I buy it I, I don't know if I could buy our I know going 20 that's I heard that I was like it. come on man yeah yeah cool. we'll see is he Jordan Shipley? I mean, he's got that kind of speed. Like, come on, man. I mean, I know, I know Arch Manning is like bigger than life, but we don't need to pump him up like to be. Hell, I don't think I don't even think number 10 was doing that back during his time, you know, at the 40. VY. Oh, yeah. Young? Like, I'll shoot. We know how fast he was, even though he made it look so easy when, you know, he got in the open field and stuff, but that's some serious speed right there. And that just kind of goes to the recruiting 
that Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff have done, just getting the right players that fit the system. I know everybody was disgruntled about five and seven year in this first season, and especially with all the other BS that you had off the field. Like, there's been some ridiculous things that have happened in these two years that Steve Sarkeesian has been head coach that mm, I wouldn't want for my program, but all of that gets erased with winning. Like yeah. nobody gives a damn about distractions. If you're going 12 and 0, 11 and 1, winning the Big 12, and they haven't done that in a very long time. If you do that this year, then you can have all those distractions and all that BS that goes on, you know, behind the scenes and stuff. But until then, all of those things are gonna be brought up. And until you get the job done, which again, this team, they have every opportunity to do that. And yeah, I like what we've been hearing. And, you know, this defensive line, you talk about Travandre Sweat and how he's just been dominant. Like him and Byron Murphy, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Like they're yeah. going to be an absolute force. And with the backups that they have, you've been hearing Alfred Collins. He's finally coming into his own. Finally. We've been waiting on that. You know, like coming out of that part of Bastrop. I remember officiating him in basketball his junior year, Chip, reffing him and thinking, who the hell is this hoss? Look at this boy move. And obviously that's not his first sport, but the way that he moved, the way that he was blocking shots and stuff, like you could tell he was a different type of athlete. And ever since he's got to the University of Texas, he just hasn't been able to put it all together. And I get it. He came in with Tom Herman and crew, and we all know all that bullshit that Tom Herman put this team through. And, you know, it's a lot. Of, it, it's been a big change for going from Herman to Steve Sarkeesian and both of their philosophies and both and what they both want on the field. I know that took some time to adjust to for those guys like Jordan Winnington and Alfred Collins, the guys that have been here through that. But hearing that you're finally, you know, you're hearing it all come together with Alfred Collins, like that is huge for this team and where they want to go. And Trill Carter coming in from Minnesota, I think that was a big time get. Like you've been hearing that Jare Bledsoe's been playing his ass off. Vernon Braun's been doing well. This interior lineman, they're gonna be able to do some damage. And with the six guys that I just named, they're gonna be able to stay fresh. So Pete Pukowski, he'll be able to interchange them to where when you get into that fourth quarter, especially when you go to Bama and it's hot as hell over a hundred degrees, those guys will still be fresh and still be able to get out after the quarterback and make plays. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think I I think I lit some people on fire uh in in my insider at Horns 24/7 uh this past week because I ranked the position groups um at Texas and put the defensive line ahead of receiver. And it's because of all those names you just mentioned and the fact that they're all going to be needed um and and the fact that Steve Sarkeesian, this is this is going to be interesting to watch how he handles his receivers this year because he typically has not had a very big rotation. He said that, you know, typically we've had a NFL-type rotation, which is four to five receivers. We know who the top three are in Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Jordan Whittington. Um, but Isaiah Nair, Jonte Cook, um, I mean – right there you're pushing it out you're pushing Sarkeesian out of his comfort zone and we haven't even gotten to you know uh DeAndre Moore Ryan Niblett 
Um, Casey Kane, Casey Kane's been having a good camp. You haven't heard a word about Casey Kane because I haven't, I haven't heard nothing about Casey Kane. Yeah. People don't even know he changed his number. Right. He's rocking number eight now. He's rocking X's old number. Right. Right. Yeah. You got to keep up with, I mean, uh, Isaiah Nayer's rocking nine. Ryan Niblett's wearing Nayer's old 18. But yeah, I mean, we got some dudes who are, and Jeff Howe wrote about this uh, today in his three things I think and three things I know column at Horns 24-7, saying that there's a starting level receiver or three who aren't going to get the reps that they could probably be getting somewhere else. But here's the magic, Zay. This is this is going to be – this is why this year is so important. Because if Texas has the kind of year they think they're going to have, and they go – 10 and two, 11 and one, they win the big 12. They get in the college football playoff. Those guys will stick around and wait for their turn because they're on a winning team. They're on a championship level team. The guys at Alabama who were waiting behind Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, the, the Jalen Waddles and John Mechies of the world, Jamison Williams, they they stuck around because they knew they were going to be playing for championships and they were going to get developed because Nick Saban develops NFL players. Well, Steve Sarkeesian has that pedigree with offensive players. I mean, that's why he's got a stacked quarterback room right now. That's why Cooper Manning sends Arch Manning to Texas. I mean, A, Arch loved Austin, and Cooper almost came to Texas under David McWilliams, but John Matthews didn't didn't honor Cooper's scholarship as a tight end. So Cooper ended up at Ole Miss and then ended up having some health issues and giving up on college football. But did they choose Chris Sims over Eli also? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Why you say it like that? (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, Why you say it like that? Quick sidebar story, Zay. I'm at the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation for Ricky Williams. And Mac and I are walking. You know, there's a big group of us walking to Wall Street so Ricky can ring the bell. And Mac says to me, we're going to get Chris Sims. And I'm sitting there going, Major Applewhite just won – Southwest Conference co-offensive player of the year. He said, we're going to get Chris Sims. And I'm like, oh. And sure enough, they got Chris Sims. And you're right. That was the same year as as Eli Manning went to Ole mm. Miss. Mm. Um, but that, uh, I mean, this, this quarterback room with Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, Arch Manning, that's as stacked a quarterback room as Texas has ever had. And they've had some really interesting quarterback rooms. I mean, Sam Ellinger, Shane Bouchelle, we, we know, obviously, you know, Chris and major, but there were Colt McCoy was here with Jevin Sneed and GJ Kinney. GJ Kinney's now the head coach at Texas state. Um, But this is the most stacked quarterback room that I've, that I've covered. And, and, you know, I, you can argue Vince Young, Chance Mock, and Chance was unbelievable. He got screwed. I think he had 11 touchdowns and no picks when he got benched uh, for Vince Young. I mean, and Chance will tell you, I got benched for Black Jesus. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> I got yeah. I got benched for one of the best players, if not the best player in, you know, Texas football history. Him and hey, I, I, 
I still remember when Chance got his shot when they bit, uh, benched VY in that Tech game. And Chance oh, came in and did very oh, well, won them the game. So, yeah. I will Chance. never forget that. I was like, Mac, you are you are playing with fire here. Uh, but it worked. It worked. It worked. Chance came in and delivered the biggest relief pitching effort you've ever seen. And, um, yeah, that was that was big time. That was, you know, and, and, and we – you know, we mentioned that, Chip, and you think about last year and the ups and downs that Quinn had. Oklahoma and State. Oklahoma State, 19 for, what, 49 completions, like 30 incompletions. And I remember saying, like, after that game, during the presser, I knew Steve Sarkeesian wasn't going to take him out that game just because of the aura that Quinn had as a freshman, which he's definitely improved on. You see the leadership qualities getting better and better, you know, every time you see him in pressers from his haircuts, got the fresh fade and stuff, just looks more professional, looks more like a quarterback and not just some, you know, doughy looking country kid that likes to hunt. He looks like a quarterback. And last year, Sark not pulling him, which Hudson Card who's now at Purdue, he did a very good job in the games that he played when Quinn got hurt in the Alabama game. So with this deep quarterback room, is there a leash on Quinn yours? Like, again, with all the talent that you have around, it's very hard for me to even predict that he'll get in that situation where he could be benched. But at the end of the day, you never know. It's college football. It's very unpredictable. We just don't know, but will Steve Sarkeesian have the cojones if things are going bad to say, man, Malik Arch, whoever wins that QB2 battle, come on then, a la Tua in the national championship game where Nick Saban benched Jalen Hurts and put him in and they end up winning that game. Like it's been done. We saw it uh, a few years ago at the Red River where, yeah, oh, man. Yeah, Spencer. And I always respected Lincoln Riley for that. He, oh, you know, what a dog! What a dog to do that! To have the balls to do that like that—that takes some serious, serious balls to say, "Hey, our five-star quarterback that everybody wanted coming out of high school—that a lot of people at that time had going number one on their draft boards." Spencer Rattler, who he's still on people's draft boards, even at South Carolina. I'm gonna bench him and put in this freshman. And we'll see what happens. And, hey, we all know the rest is history. Caleb Williams, now Heisman Trophy winner, probably one of the best quarterback prospects that we've seen in a very long time coming into the 2024 NFL draft. And I I don't know if Sark has that in them. I don't know. And, and Quinn Ewers, you got to be able to accept that. I don't think last year Sark had confidence in benching him and keeping his psyche all there. Right. I think it was one of those situations to where if I bench this young guy, he's going to be done. Like his confidence is going to be shot. I won't be able to get him back. Who knows with what the transfer portal is now in NIL. Like who knows what that's going to be like? Cause Quinn yours, he knows his NIL. The dude is a businessman. 
He's been hey. that way since coming out of South Lake Carroll, which is why he got all that paper when he went up to Columbus for his first year. So he's a businessman. He's going to make business decisions, and he knows it's all about getting to the NFL. This is just a stepping stone. Of course, he wants to win and be the best he could be at University of Texas, but we all know Quinn Ewers wants to get to the NFL, wants to be one of the top picks so we can have that Aaron Rodgers-type career. But – I don't know if Steve Sarkeesian has that in them. And hopefully they won't get to that situation to where, you know, we're thinking about pulling him. But a lot of that goes on Sark too last year. I thought Sark put Quinn in some very bad situations that you don't put a freshman quarterback in. Maybe a senior or a junior that's taking a ton of snaps. But for a freshman that's still just getting his feet wet and, you know, hearing about Xavier Wordy's hand injury and all that other BS – it was a lot on Sark, too. You know, that 19 for 49 game for Quinn Ewers, yes, that's bad. But was Sark making the right calls? I can't say he did. No. So if he, if he could do better at that this season with what he's got, then, again, the Horns, they should be right where they want to be, going to Jerry World and making, making some moves in the college football playoff. Yeah, that game, that Oklahoma State game last year was – um, was the the one that just absolutely you're you're you were watching that game going what is Steve Sarkeesian doing because you could see Quinn Ewers who by the way did slam his finger in a car door on his throwing hand now Sark doesn't <laughs> like to acknowledge hand injuries on his quarterbacks because he remember he wouldn't like acknowledge Casey Thompson's thumb. He didn't acknowledge the hand injury to, to yours. And, and I guess Quinn had a good day throwing the football in practice, but there was a 20 mile an hour wind in Stillwater that, that day. And they just kept throwing it to Xavier worthy. And Sarkeesian said after the game that that was me, like I was telling Quinn to throw it to Xavier worthy. And that, that that was messing with his confidence. You could see his confidence dropping as that game went on. And at some point you're like, just get him out for a series so you can talk to him, like put card in just for a series because he threw it to worthy 17 times. They connected four. I mean, it was, it was awful. And listen, this year, if you've got A.D. Mitchell on the field, if you've got Isaiah Nair on the field, and I, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out because, Zay, you and I both know that a quarterback's best friend is a big target, a big receiver, a guy who can go up and get it, a catch radius, like we saw in the spring game when Quinn throws that touchdown pass and and A.D. Mitchell, like, climbs the ladder and grabs that thing. I mean, he, like, pierced the sky to grab that ball one-handed. And that's what A.D. Mitchell does. And that's the that's the thing that that I've said Xavier Worthy hasn't done. He hasn't shown me he can make contested catches with a DB on his hip. When he's running away from someone he can, uh, he's, he's, he's lights out. But when he's got someone right next to him, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen him fight for that ball and, and you know, wrestle it away and make that play. And, and I'm just saying – I remember Sam Ellinger always looking for little Jordan Humphrey and, and uh, Colin Johnson. Those were some big dudes. Those were six five, six six targets. 
they both almost went over a thousand yards, um, you know, that, that year in 2018. So it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you're saying, I don't know, A.D. Mitchell, he's done it. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm excited to see it. I just want him yeah. to put on a show. That's all I want. I want I want him to put on a show, and I want Jalen Catalan to put on a show. And I'll be entertained all year. Yeah, and both of those guys have so many similarities, both of them coming from the SEC and both of them dealing with injuries during their times at their previous colleges. Jalen Catalan, we know with that shoulder injury at Arkansas and A.D. Mitchell, he didn't play all the games for Georgia. But, yeah, what both of those guys bring playing with the SEC, they ain't afraid of the moment. They, they ain't afraid of like A.D. Mitchell played on the biggest stage, catching touchdowns in the national championship game. So you need guys like that with that experience coming to the squad for guys who haven't been there before. You know, that's leadership. Even though he, he might not be one of those chirpy, talky guys, his experience, you got to respect it. And you talk about those big, you know, big time receivers and those big guys who could just absolutely moss people because the cornerbacks or safeties who are trying to check them are just too small. JT Sanders, I'm looking for him to have another big season because other than Brock Bowers out of Georgia, there ain't a tight end like him. You know, when he was coming out of Ditton Guy, everybody knows that one-handed snag that he made famous, you know, playing in the playoffs for them. Like, he's an absolute freak. And his blocking, I think that's going to be better this year. I even think Gunnar Helm is going to be better this year to where you could do a lot more with JT Sanders. But at the end of the day, this roster is as deep as I don't know what. Jordan Whittington, I completely understand him come, wanting to come back and see what he could do. Change, you know, he changed his number, so we know he loves Bevo. Like, the guy just loves University of Texas. And I thought that when he was coming in from Cuero, he was beaten up, man. The way that they used him at that tiny high school and all the games that he played, playing that Jerry World, it seemed like he got the ball at least 40 times a game. So when he got to campus, I think he was just a little beat up and stuff. And he had a lot of injuries, but last year he stayed healthy for most of the season. So I expect him to stay healthy again this year. And even if he doesn't, God forbid, but even if he doesn't, you got a lot of other guys, even freshmen like a Ryan Niblett, who I heard is getting a lot of rave, and a Jonte Cook, who they said – is compared to an Xavier Worthy. But, yeah, I, I think Xavier Worthy, you know, I know he wants to be one of the top picks of the NFL draft in 2024, which everybody does. But the freshman year, a lot of promise, dominated, broke out. And I thought last year, kind of like what you just said about Quinn Ewers and not necessarily start putting him in the right situations, plus he had a broken freaking hand. I mean, the dude plays receiver chip. I think you need a healthy hand to be productive. And I mean, if he does have a broken hand, maybe use him as a decoy sometimes. Like the other team doesn't know that he's hurt, but he gets a lot of bracket coverage. And with what we saw last year, no Isaiah Nayor, Casey Kane had a lot of drops. There was just no number two, you know, that you needed. And then your number one has a broken hand. Yeah, it was a disastrous you know, throwing exhibition, what we saw last season. Yes, it was brutal. So Sark has to clean all those things up. And 
hey, hey, at the end of the day, as a head coach, like everybody talks about his play calling, which, yes, he's, you know, good at making plays and his philosophy is good. But him at his peak, he was a coordinator. He was under arguably the greatest coach of all time in Nick Saban. His tenure at Atlanta, he was under, you know, another guy. He was just a coordinator. We know his stint at Washington, his stint at Southern Cal, brutal. And obviously, yes, he had other things going on off the field that he's cleaned up, but he still hasn't proven as a head coach that he could do it all. And sometimes it could be a little much for people to, okay, be the CEO of a big time college like the University of Texas and call the plays. And when you see things go south, that all that's what I think about. Like, does this man just have too much on his plate? Because, hey, Matt Brown had two phones, bruh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not when, – once those games end, like, your job doesn't end from a recruiting standpoint to the boosters, to the pressers. Like, you have a lot of hacks as the head coach of the University of Texas. So, you have to worry about calling the plays too. And I think sometimes it could get a little murky with Sark and how he does that, him trying to handle everything. But hopefully in year three, again, with this roster, shit like that don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you remembered that Mac had two phones. Houston oh, Nutt told that story uh, to me on the radio, and he was like, I couldn't believe it. He had one phone for, like, the mega boosters, and then he had another phone for, like, recruits and yeah. just middle-class boosters. And, um, yeah, Yo, you know, it's a lot. It's a where lot. I'm from, where I'm from, you have two phones. You're on your Pablo Escobar game. Like you're you on something else, you know, if you have two phones or you're just an absolute player and you can't keep up with all the, you know, the breezies and the bras that you got on your phone. But for a oh, college yeah. coach, yeah, to have two phones, that's serious. I don't know. I don't know how many coaches have that type of lifestyle, but here at Texas, I get why he had that. It was a requirement because all the responsibilities that he had. So Steve Sarkeesian has those same responsibilities and hey. We'll see. Hopefully, guys like Jeff Banks, who everybody raves about, which is a cool dude, just seeing him in his presence. I know that, you know, when you see all of these coaches and stuff, they give off their own vibe. And, you know, we've heard the worst when it comes to Jeff Banks. But when it comes to him being at his best as the special teams coach, and you hear guys like Keelan Robinson rave about him, like if you're Keelan Robinson, how could you not think of, Okay, Bijan Robinson's gone. Roshan Johnson's gone. It's my time. Like it's my time to be RB one. It's my time to get most of the carries and stuff. And you got coaches like Jeff Banks that are out here making special teams such a priority and making it so much fun. Guys like Keelan Robinson, he ain't worried about that. He said in this presser, like, "Hey, we all got full plates. Everybody's gonna get a bite." whenever their opportunity comes, everybody's going to get a chance to eat, but to have, you know, some of your top guys, some of your top athletes want to play special teams and not just their specific position. I think that shows all types of rave and promise to what Jeff Banks is bringing to the table. And you got to love having somebody like that in your corner. Well, and I, uh, to go back to Sarkeesian for a second, I love that he surrounds himself 
with guys like Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks should be a head coach. If he had not had the, the Halloween party at his house and the, the little kid sticks his hand in the monkey cage and gets bit or whatever, then Jeff Banks would be the head coach at Washington State right now. Um, because when Tim Rolovich would not get vaccinated and they fired him, they they wanted to hire Banks. But that was right when the monkey gate happened. And and so thanks to that, he's still at Texas. Now he's he's legit, legit. Um, I've had so many coaches. I mean, David Beatty, who's you know, former head coach at Kansas, was at AM with Banks and was like, we all went into his special teams meetings because the guy is so sharp, so on point, but yet would put memes in the, in the presentation to make the guys laugh and keep them light. Um, but I, I think Sarkeesian going and getting a guy like Paul Christ as a special assistant, a power running, you know, savant like Paul Christ and, and Texas struggled in short yardage and goal line situations to run the football last year, that's got to get cleaned up. And it's probably my biggest concern going into this season is, is Steve Sarkeesian going to trust his line, his backs um, and, and run it when he needs to run it and run it when the defense knows that they're going to run it. They did a good job of it in games like Baylor, Kansas state last year, Kansas, Um, Kansas, they ran all over Kansas. Uh, Iowa State, they ran it to, to finish off the game. But against TCU, they gave up on the run. Um, and you're and in Oklahoma State, they were averaging six and a half a carry on their first drive in the fourth quarter and averaging 11 and a half a carry on the second drive in the fourth quarter and started throwing it around and, and didn't finish off those drives with touchdowns. So, um, you know, that's – I credit Sarkeesian for going and bringing in guys who are look, Paul Chris has won more championships than Sarkeesian has. So did Gary Patterson. Patterson had six conference championships. Steve Sarkeesian has yet to win one, but I like that he surrounded himself with really bright minded coaches. As my man, Sean Adams used to say, A's hire A's and B's hire C's. Tom Herman hired C's when he could have hired A's and, and it came back to get him. He ended up changing out his whole staff like the year before he got fired. And, um, and so this is, that's, I'm fascinated to see what has Steve Sarkeesian learned, truly learned from a guy like Nick Saban, because he's certainly recruiting the way that they recruited at Alabama. Heck he's, he's beating some guys, uh, you know, he's beating Alabama for some guys in recruiting now. And, and, and let me tell you something, Nick Saban was pissed when Sark went after Jeff Banks. Um, I can tell you Sark was also going to bring in Pete Golding from Alabama as the defensive coordinator. And Nick, after Sark got Jeff Banks, Nick said enough enough (laughs) you're not taking any more dudes from my staff i I get you taking kyle flood he came with you from the falcons you're taking aj milwee that's fine he was leaving anyway but jeff banks my recruiting guru and special teams and can guy can just coach ball enough 
you're not getting Pete Golding. And then Nick ended up firing Pete Golding a year later. But mm. um, now he's at Ole Miss, Pete Golding. So, um, and he'll, he's got uh, Kevin Steele, Nick Saban, uh, one of his old, you know, defensive assistants is coming back to help run the defense. You're not worried about the defense. You're wondering what the heck Alabama's got going with Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator. Cause Bill or uh, Nick Saban told Bill um, O'Brien, Hey man, if, if Belichick wants you back in new England, I understand. And so now in comes Tommy Reese and people are reading that and saying, okay, well that means they're going to run it more. They're going to have kind of more of a dual threat situation at quarterback. They don't have the receivers they've had in the past, so they need to run it. And and we'll see how much the personality of that Alabama offense changes because they've been, I mean, my God, when Sarkeesian was there, they they were just shy of 50 points per game in that 2020 um, national championship season when Najee Harris ran for, 1400 and change and had ridiculous. I think he had 40 receptions as a running back that year on top of Devonte Smith having over a hundred catches and, and, uh, winning you know, the Heisman. The, yeah. Jalen Waddle and John Mechie. It's yeah. And Devonte won the Heisman. They had three Heisman finalists from that offense in Mac Jones, Najee Harris and, and Devonte and Devonte won it. So, um, yeah, that, that's why it, that's why it should be very easy to get some of these top wide receivers in the nation. Because, hey, if you're Sark and you walk into these houses and you look at these wide receivers in the eye, you let them know, hey, I was a part of a wide receiver winning the Heisman. Like, what you know, high school kid that plays a position wouldn't want to say, okay, that's different. Because, you know, we know Desmond Howard won the Heisman and stuff like that back in the 90s. But it's very rare for somebody playing a wide receiver position to win it. And Sark was a part of that with Devontae Smith. So, yeah, I'm with you, uh, Chip. You know, I I think about these running backs. And we know Sark's always had a 1,000-yard rusher. But there's so many different guys, like Keelan Robinson said, that can eat on this team. And I know everybody has a lot of high expectations for CJ Baxter coming in, the freshman out of Florida, the five-star, one of the top um, freshmen in the nation right now. But when you got guys like Jaden Blue, who's been waiting his turn, and Jonathan Brooks, who has looked good the times that he's gotten out there and been handed the ball off to him, you know, there's a lot of promise well, in that running back room. I'll just jump in real quick because I thought this was really important last week. I asked Sarkeesian, who's your best pass protecting, blitz picking up running backs? And he said, we have three. And he said, Jonathan Brooks, CJ Baxter, and Keelan Robinson. Everyone wants to know what's going on with Jaden Blue. Jaden Blue's got to pick it up in the – in the pass protection and the dirty work stuff, he can run the football, but he's got to make sure that Quinn Ewers is protected, that when, you know, that blitz is coming, that he's going to pick it up and make sure that Quinn doesn't get Dallas Cartered uh, like, he, <laughs> like he did in the Alabama game last year. And, and so keep an eye on that because uh, Jaden Blue and I'm here and Savion Red is a beast in pass protection and blitz pickup. That dude's physical. 
and he's got that shoulder injury that's going to keep him out a few more days. But uh, and Savion's a little bit of a hothead. I mean, he he he. Oh, Oklahoma State that comes to mind where he went off on that sideline. That dude. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's got a little bit of a chip he's on. Got fire, show. man! I can work with that. I can I, work with too. that. I can yeah, channel I that. It. I respect it. I absolutely. can channel that. I'd rather have it that way than the other way. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's fun. I mean they they've got uh, and this year I'm just saying this year is so important for so many reasons. But to keep all these guys on the roster, you know, Kyle Flood said the how is you know, what stands out about Sark. He said, I've never seen anyone connect with his players better than this guy. And he used the portal and the fact that a lot of the guys, you know, frontline guys, guys they're counting on are not getting in the portal. And that's true. And, and so to keep it that way, you got to win. Right. You got to win. The message that you've been selling, it's got to happen. You, it's, it, you got to see it on the field. I remember asking Mac Brown, Hey, okay, Mac, you, you're loading up on these top three, number one class in 2002. When's that going to start showing up on the field? And he's like, well, you know, it's going to take time. Blah, 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 blah. And, and, it, <laughs> and it took Mac seven years to, to win a conference championship. Um, and of course he won it. He won it all. I mean, the two, he only won two conference championships at Texas. He's only won two conference championships in his career, Mac Brown. Mm. And that was with Vince Young and Colt McCoy. So um, that, that just makes you appreciate Nick Saban and everything that he's been doing, different quarterbacks, different coordinators. The guy has to change out coordinators every year because people are hiring him to be head coaches. But um, that running back situation, that – Blitz pickup pass protection is big, and that's why Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter, I think are going to be your one-two punch. And Keelan Robinson's going to get all the, you know, the space stuff, the fly sweeps, the, you know, the stuff that he was doing last year. And he's more versatile now, and it's it's going to be fascinating because there's all kinds of personnel groupings that Sarkeesian can, can use – you know, he can have both Gunnar Helm and, you know, JT Sanders out there. And you're thinking, it's, okay, this is a power set. The defense is going to substitute to get uh, another linebacker on the field. Well, then you can you can flare JT Sanders out to wide out, and you're in a one tight end set, and suddenly JT Sanders is getting, you know, matched up on a, on a linebacker or a smaller uh, nickel where he can overpower them and – that's where Sark is really good, and and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I've had a lot of people say, listen, this offense is going to take off in a way that it didn't last year because he didn't have two deep threats. He only had one, and the defense could shade. They could double, and they could crowd you know, JT Sanders. They're not going to be able to do that this year because you could have A.D. Mitchell out at the numbers. You could have Xavier Worthy out at the numbers or Nair or Cook, and – you're going to have to respect those guys deep and that'll open up stuff underneath. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm listening. Let's, let's see what you got for Alabama. Cause that's, that's going to be your opportunity. You're not going to have to show anything against rice. Um, can't wait to see what you got cooked up for Alabama. Cause with some of these freshmen, hell, you don't even have to show, I mean, you need to get Anthony Hill on the field 
on defense. So he gets the jitters out, but you could have some stuff you've never shown anybody against Alabama. And that's, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of game plan they'll have for that game. Yeah, absolutely. You think about Kyle Shanahan, who was on campus this summer with Steve Sarkeesian and what he does in the NFL with all that talent that he has up in San Fran with guys like George Kittle, who's a Swiss Army Knight, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. Like they're one of the most talented teams in the NFL, especially offensively. And we're in that positionless play of football now on both sides, NFL and college football, to where, hey, we saw Jordan Winnington during his Quero days. He was in the backfield a lot. Maybe put him in the backfield sometimes. Maybe put Keelan Robinson on the numbers as a wide out. Just mixing it up to get the defense as confused as possible. And then on the other side, defensive side, hey, maybe sometimes you might have Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, and Trevondre Sweat in at the same time. Maybe have one of those guys on the edge, depending on – the mismatch situation on, you know, the offensive tackles on the opposing team you're playing. I don't know, et cetera, but you got to find those mismatches. Like that, Zay, they yeah. got a package. They've got a short yardage goal line package where it's Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton as the ends with Tavondre sweat and Byron Murphy as the interior. And that's, that's a lot. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. But let's shout out a couple of our sponsors on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Shout out to Syntex Tickets, 7-Eleven, Relax, The Back, Top Gun, Law and Rentals, and then the Woods Family AC and Repair Unit. Shout out to them. And Allstat Brewery. Chip, you want to talk to them about AV consultations? AV consultations, baby. My man, Tom McKay. This is what I always say about audiovisual consultations. They just take care of everything for you. You don't have to, don't go to the box store and go pick out a TV and then, no, just let, just, just call my man, Tom McKay, or go to avconsultations.com. They do everything. They come out free consultation and then they, they bring it all to you. So you don't have to do a thing except go to AV consultation, set up an appointment and boom, here comes Tom McKay and his crew. Whether you want to, you know, do a whole new media room with TV surround sound or surveillance, uh, you name it. My man, Tom McKay at Audiovisual Consultations has got you set up. All your favorite restaurants use Tom McKay and, and AV Consultations. I've, uh, my, all my setup is from AV Consultations. So, um, let Tom McKay and the crew bring everything to you. AVConsultations.com. Yeah, Tom, I'll be hitting you up soon. I'm finally trying to get convince wifey slowly but surely that we need a little bit more up in here since I'll be spending more time at the crib. I need something, a little bit more resources here to make my life a little bit more easier. And Tom McKay, I know, could definitely help me out with that. But. Well, and our man BK, I don't know what he's got planned for his new place in Austin, but when he was here before he went to Houston, he had like four or five, six TV screens in his in his apartment, and it was a sports <laughs> bar. Yeah. Like, I'm like, BK, this is obnoxious, but it is kind of wonderful. Yo, it's convenient. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. 
week zero starts this week. You got in USC and San Diego State, or I want to say it's San Diego State or one of those teams. USC, they're probably picked to win by 30. And you got the Navy Notre Dame game. So you can watch both of those games at the same time, depending on the times of them. I get it. It's very convenient. That sounds like oh, a yeah. very convenient setup. So I oh, get yeah. it. No, uh, no, no split screen needed. Just get uh, get a few more screens so you can watch them all on full screen. AVConsultations.com. All right, Zay, we've talked uh, a lot of Texas football, but um, DeMarvin Overshone, man, I was crushed to see this news because Demo is one of my favorite personality players. I mean, the guy is hilarious. Um, you know, with his cowboy hat and he, he loves being from ARP in East Texas and loves singing himself some country music and, and it nicknamed his truck Lizzie cause it was lizard green. Um, and he was making plays for the Cowboys and Dan Quinn's defense. And then in this, uh, preseason game against Seattle over the weekend, he, uh, I don't know exactly what happened cause he, he kind of looked like he was okay, and then he wasn't, and then, um, you know. Yeah, it was just a every, you know, just a normal tackle that he's made throughout his whole life, from his ARP days to Texas to now being in the NFL, just a normal routine tackle, and he just came down the wrong way, and it's very unfortunate, very sad. I mean, you had a lot of hope for him on this team. Like, he was going to make the team. <laughs> like, that's – we knew he was going to make the team. And I think that his time here at Texas, being on special teams, definitely benefited, you know, him making the team for the Cowboys. But, yeah, man, he's just a great guy. And you hate this for him. You know, you hate that before he ever really even got to get his feet wet as a professional athlete, he is now hurt and now has to deal with, you know, going through rehab for the 2023 season. So it's unfortunate, but I, somebody like him, he'll bounce back. And once he gets back on his feet, he'll be ready to play. And I think he's still going to have a very good NFL career because he loves the game and coming from ARP to the 40, having to change from a safety to a linebacker. We saw the ups and downs, but once he got it, he got it. And once he was able to just fly around freely and not have to worry about just all the responsibilities that you do as a linebacker and he could just play freely with Jalen Ford on that other side, he had a very good senior season. But, yeah, this hurts. This hurts. I was looking forward to watching him every Sunday and seeing what he could do, but he'll bounce back. Steve Sarkeesian said today that he talked to Demo after the the uh, MRI came back, talked to him before and after, but he said that he's in, um, you know, good spirits, that the, the Cowboys have told him that he's part of their plans and that uh, Steve Sarkeesian, who used to work for Dan Quinn when Dan Quinn was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Sark and Dan Quinn talked and – Dan Quinn said that that Overshone was was killing it and was showing exactly why they drafted him just as a, you know, physical, athletic, long uh, ball hawk, instinctive linebacker who throws his body around. And and so, yeah, I think 
I think DeMar Vian Overshone's going to come back from this ACL injury and, and have a place in that, uh, in that Cowboys defense. And that's, that's exciting because if things don't work out for Mike McCarthy, I think Dan Quinn's going to be the head coach of the Cowboys. So me too. Yeah. That's, if that's the case. He's got, uh, Demo's got a fan and Dan Quinn, um, you know, probably some of the, the, Better news or continued good news coming out of NFL preseason is Bijan Robinson. Um, Zay, it's like I'm I always watch Good Morning Football when I'm getting up. They don't talk about the Falcons anymore. They talk about Bijan Robinson and the Falcons. I mean, it's like they know. I mean, and this guy, the the game comes so easily to B. John Robinson, or at least he makes it look easy, but he's so instinctive and it, it just is so much fun to watch because of, you never know what he's going to do next for a, for a big guy. Um, he can juke people out of their socks running routes. He can, you know, look like he's going to run over you and then spin out. Uh, the guy's got unbelievable contact balance and footwork and, I mean, he's must-see TV. Yeah, yeah, he is. And that one-handed snag that he had on that screen pass, that just showed a little bit of what he can do. And he had four rushing attempts on that first drive for the Falcons and four missed tackles on that drive. So you saw what we've been seeing for these last three years. I mean, he would have had even bigger stats here at Texas if Tom Herman would have played him a little freaking more. But Tom Herman would still have a different... job if he kept playing Bijan <laughs> Robinson. True that, true that. But that's a different story for a different day. But Arthur Smith, we know that he loves to run the football there. And they're going to want to protect Desmond Ritter as much as possible. You know, the Cincinnati quarterback coming in the year two that took over for Mariota last year. If you haven't been watching quarterback, you definitely need to watch that. But I, they're going to want to protect him as much as possible. And you do that by handing the ball off to two pretty good running backs and Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson. But we know one of the best things about Bijan is how versatile he is is how he can step out and be a wide receiver how you know his releases are great we know that he reads the um you know he has his own reads they're always on point him seeing the holes and taking this time like i think him him adjusting to the nfl it won't take very long just because he's that talented and you know you saw after the game he was hot fiving the fans over there at mercedes-benz uh arena and stuff like he's just he's the perfect athlete for that franchise that needs a little something like they definitely need something the wide open nfc south they have as much optimism down there in Atlanta as any other teams from Carolina who has a rookie quarterback might be a very good quarterback in Bryce Young, but he's still a rookie to who knows what the hell Baker Mayfield is going to be. And even if he'll win that starting position for Tampa Bay and New Orleans, which everybody's probably picking them to win the South because they have the most experienced quarterback in Derek Carr coming from Vegas. So hey. It's the NFL. Anything could happen, but, hey, I'm going to be doing my dirty bird after every Sunday game. Like, I'm a Falcons fan through and through, and that's because of B. John Robinson. Very excited of what number seven is going to bring to the table this year in the NFL. Yeah, number seven. 
Um, you, you think that looks right? It, it was kind of weird to see good. it. Okay. Yeah. I think it looks yeah. good. And of yeah. course he had some, you know, biblical rationale for, for picking number seven. And I'm like, don't ever doubt Bijan Robinson because he seems to have the big fella on speed dial or the big fellas, you know, <laughs> gifted him with some wings that uh, just kind of take him above the earthly concerns that most of us have. So I just love watching the dude, you know, do his thing. And in talking to him last year, uh, the last three years, but really last year, this guy gets it, man. And, uh, and he gets the fans, the community part of it. And he is going to be the face of that franchise as long as he's there. And I just hope that he has the kind of success that we all hope and expect for him to have. And look, the Falcons have a decent offensive line. They were the, what, um, they were one of the top rushing teams in, in the NFL last year. Um, they have a pro bowl guard on that line. They just yeah, need to Chris Lindstrom. Yeah. yeah. They just need to get the quarterback play. Right. And if, if Desmond Ritter's not the right guy, we got Taylor Heineke. We got Taylor Heineke Zay, you know, I think that's you and my I both, dude. We're like closet Taylor Heineke fans. Oh, I, I am completely out the closet because of Taylor Heineke, which that sounds <laughs> kind of weird. So I don't think of it like that. Very married with my beautiful wife, but as far as Taylor Heineke goes, that's my dude. Talk about got it from the mud, coming from the XFL, being backups, and then once he got to Washington, taking Tom Brady to the brink of elimination, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers run where Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. They had Tom Brady and those boys on the ropes with Taylor Heineke playing quarterback. So, yeah, if I'm Desmond Ritter, I better be locked in because they don't pay – backups 20 million like that's a lot of skrilla for a backup and the fact that taylor heineke got that means that desmond if you're struggling come october and you didn't have a good september well there's a guy that is a gamer he might throw a pick or two he might fumble that thing it might be a fumble six or a pick six or something but he's gonna keep fighting and he has a ton of moxie that you want at quarterback i know he probably has the locker room on his side taylor heineke is one of the better backups sometimes starters in the league a big time gamer and yeah i think that if they made that switch then hey the falcons Obviously, if they made that switch, they probably are struggling. But if they make it, they're going to be right there with a lot of teams and surprise a lot of teams just because their roster, even on the defensive side, has gotten a lot better. But like you said, their offensive line's good. When you've got guys like Kyle Pitts and Drake London, who was the fourth, the first wide receiver taken a couple of years ago in that draft, they got a lot of young pieces. And if they put it all together in a weak NFC South, then, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons won that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get to some of the uh, the viewer comments. Our man uh, CB says, I remember Joseph Osai getting hurt his rookie season in the preseason in Cincinnati, and he came back and has balled out, no doubt about that. Um, Joe K says, watching DeMarvian Overshone getting carted off the field, displaying the hook'em was heartbreaking. No doubt. Um, and uh, 
Uh, Lupe says, Zay, uh, who in Tanglewood is running around with a burner phone? <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised. There's some white boy wrecks in Tanglewood getting the job done. You know, I mean, hey, get it how you live. But hey, I, I know some people. Don't get it twisted. I might have come from a suburban, beautiful place. But there's some dogs out there. You got to head on a swivel. You got to be aware. For sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It uh, appreciate all these uh, folks weighing in on the show. PD absolutely. 17 Ford says, great to see and hear you, Zay. Um, and let's see here. Yeah. Joe K says, I want to see Arch Manning in a 40 against Xavier Worthy. Yeah, I need to see that because Xavier is. Clocking in, what, 22 miles per hour first. 22, 23. Now, that's believable. Hearing Zay Wordy and Keelan Robinson clocking in 22, 23 miles per hour, I'm with that. But Arch, though, okay, whatever you say. Arch Anthony Richardson Manning, all right, (laughs) we'll see. Because I expect him to play at that Rice game. I don't know how much, but I expect it to be an absolute blowout. Get Quinn out the game, get all the you know ones out the game, and let these young guys see what they could do. Get their feet wet a little bit. So if the opportunity comes, they've had a little bit of experience, and you know you never know when your number is going to be called. You just never know. Yeah, and listen, Malik Murphy. I mean, let me just say, Florida let it be known to Malik Murphy's inner circle that he'd be welcomed on their roster uh, among other schools. And Malik Murphy stayed because he wants to compete. He wants to see this thing through. And so I love Malik Murphy. I mean, this kid dragged a team to the state championship in the state of California. Sarah high school was not, a favorite to win the state championship when Malik Murphy um, literally with a sprained AC joint in his throwing shoulder came back from that injury, could only throw the ball five yards. And so they, they had him throwing screens and dump passes and they won 15 to 12 against their biggest uh, district rival. And then he got healthier and healthier as the season went on and led them to the state championship The coach of Sarah told me, I've won three state championships. This was the least talented team we had. And the only reason we won it was because Malik Murphy willed us to win it. And that's the kind of big presence personality this guy has to to go with the skill set. And that's that's I think people sleep on Malik because, you know, they they heard people describe him as raw coming out of high school, but this kid's a quick study. He gets it. He's got a cannon arm. He can throw it 80 yards easy, which means his deep ball, you can call a 70 yard deep ball for Malik Murphy. Um, and he can put it on the, you know, he can put the nose of the football right in the bread basket. So I'm fascinated to see how, how these guys look when they get on the field in whatever spot duty they get and if they can stay engaged. And if Quinn has the year that he wants to have and Texas wants him to have, he'll enter the draft 
And, you know, he's already projected as a first round pick by pro football focus. And then, you know, and then it's between Malik Murphy and Arch Manning to, uh, to take over the starting job. If Malik wins it, then he's draft eligible after the 24 season, then it's Arch's turn. And that's, that's what Alabama has been doing. They, you know, like you said, with, with Jalen Hurts and Tua and Mac Jones, um, Bryce Young, you, you put the you put those planes on the runway, and then when one takes off, the next takes off, and that's that's what the great programs are able to do. They just have them lined up, ready, waiting to go. Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence, and that's you know that's what you got to have. You got to have the you got to have the quarterback in the college game. Got to have them. Absolutely. And with Malik Murphy, him being hurt coming on campus, that was tough because, I, you know, he already got behind very fast and his progression. You just didn't see it like you probably would have thought if he were healthy and they had to clean up some of his mechanics. You just mentioned him coming off that shoulder injury, but, you know, they tightened up his mechanics, and, you know, we all know he has just a ridiculous body at quarterback. Like, again, he looks like a daggum defensive end. Like, he's incredible physique, and he has a certain swagger to him. I'm not going to say he's VY, but you see some of that just Vince Young-type swagger that, like, okay, like, I know I'm the shit. I know I'm the man even though I might be the backup right now that doesn't take away from my confidence and what I feel like I could do on the field and that you know that resonates with the whole team like you need that because these last few years we've seen Texas quarterbacks QB1 go down and the backups had to come in so God forbid that happened in this year, but you just never know. So if that were to happen, I think this whole coaching staff and the locker room has a lot of confidence in the league to come in and get the job done. But at the end of the day, it's all on Sark to put him in the right situation for him to be successful and to utilize all the weapons that he has. And if he does that, then the horns, they're going to be right where they want to be. Yeah. And I've had a team source say that Malik Murphy is the mayor of the locker room. Like every, every position group is over at his locker. Everybody, everybody gravitates towards Malik Murphy. This team will play for him. And that's if, if, if he's put in that situation, I think they'll play for Arch Manning too, but um we know that Steve Sarkeesian doesn't like to play first-year quarterbacks. Quinn Ewers was a first-year quarterback last year. And part of the reason he stuck with Quinn in that Oklahoma State game was to see how he fights his way through adverse stuff. And he wasn't going to, you know, he, he needed him to go through the fire and get some asbestos on him so that, you know, he's able to handle it when he goes to Tuscaloosa on September 9th. And, and, and we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But – yeah, Malik Murphy is he's legit and I'm I'm excited to see what what he gets to do and whatever opportunity he gets and then, you know, Sarkeesian, he talks about being transparent with the guys all the time so that they know exactly where they stand and and it and endears Sark to the players. So far, let's see. It, it the most difficult position to keep more than two if Sarkeesian can develop Quinn Ewers enough to have the kind of season they want so that Ewers 
takes off um, and goes to the NFL. And then maybe it's Malik Murphy's turn. He takes off and goes, and then it's Archer's turn. That would be the best case scenario. But we know there's a lifetime between now and whatever's going to play out. So um, yeah, it, it's fascinating. So it's we talked, so we talked briefly early in the first hour about Travandre sweat dominating in the scrimmage Any other names that popped up on this uh, past Saturday in the scrimmage and anybody who stood out. Yeah. So I, I, this, this was just volunteered by Steve Sarkeesian in his opening comments. He talked about, um, you know, T sweat. He talked about Leonga LaFau, the freshman, um, Ooh. freshman linebacker who will be the heir apparent to Jalen Ford at middle linebacker when Ford goes ah. on. There's something about those Polynesian dudes, man. When they go to Southern Cal usually or in Oregon, they always show out. And the fact that he got him all the way from Hawaii to come to Texas, I think LaFau has a lot of that in him. Uh, yeah. A lot and of that just, you know, that toughness. I don't give a damn, you know, who I'm playing against. Like, I'm going to make the tackle sideline to sideline. Like, I don't care how old I am. Like, I think he has a lot of that in him. You know, maybe a little junior Seau type. Junior Seau. That's what I was about to say, man. Just go get the ball. Yeah, man. Those Polynesian guys, those Polynesian guys, they have a lot of pride in football. Oh, yeah. You know, Troy Polamalu and just missing junior Seau and, you know, Hufunga, the uh, safety who plays for the 49ers that was first team all pro this past season. Like they take a lot of pride in football and when they get out there. So, you know, I'm not Lofa Tupu. I do. Lofa Tupu. Tupu. Wow. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Here's, here's my, here you, you mentioned, we mentioned Ethan Burke and Colton Vosick being from Westlake, but Sark, when he talks about Ethan Burke, he talks about like a mechanic. He's like this, this this dude his whole game is blue collar man he's he's not afraid to get dirty he's not afraid to get grimy he's not afraid to get under the hood and Ethan Burke got mentioned from the second scrimmage on Saturday and his length the coaches love his length I mean they love Colton Vosick's length too because that's that's JJ Watt type length that uh, that these dudes have now. Um, you know, Ethan Burke's come in and Justice Finkley was kind of running first team there until Burke rolled in. Um, and now Burke's getting the first team reps. Justice Finkley's still rotating in some, um, but you, he, Sark said he feels good about three of their edge defenders, Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke and Justice Finkley and keep an eye on um, Jamon Tapp as a guy, you know, trying to, trying to break through there. Um, And Colton Vasek, I mean, that dude has a mean streak that, uh, you know, he, Sark has talked about Trevor Gooseby, the freshman who's backing up Kelvin Banks at left tackle. And a big part of the reason Trevor Gooseby is a true freshman is backing up left tackle Kelvin Banks is because Trevor Gooseby's got a mean streak. He's not afraid of anybody. He doesn't care who he's going up against. Um, and and so, you know, you got all these young guys who are 
are getting mentioned. And, and you need that because you got a bunch of draft eligible guys um, on that defensive line, Jalen Ford. Um, so you got to have that youth movement, youth invasion. Um, I thought one of the more interesting names was uh, Gavin Holmes, the Wake Forest transfer at corner. Now, Zay, going into fall camp, it was probably Terrence Brooks at field corner and then Gavin Holmes and then Malik Muhammad. I don't know what the order is now because Malik Muhammad's had two big-time scrimmages. I, I was told he was a man possessed in the first scrimmage. He had a pick six against Malik Murphy. He forced a fumble. Um, he's he's had big hits. He had uh, another big-time pass breakup in this second scrimmage. This dude is coming, and I don't know how they're going to – off the field. Malik Muhammad's from Oak Cliff. You think he's scared of anything? Even as a freshman, that boy ain't scared. He's seen some shit. I'm coming from Dallas, Oak Cliff. He's probably seen some serious stuff that a lot of us will never see in our lifetime. And I'm just being real with you. Malik Muhammad, he ain't scared. So I'm not surprised to hear that. And it goes back to it don't matter how old you are. If you're good enough, put them on the field. But, yeah, I, I love hearing that about the secondary because we kind of know what Ryan Watts is going to bring to the table. And I think that he could be a pretty good NFL player. Definitely has the body for that because that's where, you know, NFL and college is going. These big time corners who are around 6'3", 6'2", that have long arms to stick with these big time wide receivers. But, you know, even though Gavin Holmes is around six foot, I think him coming from Wake Forest, he's going to be big for this team. And we know Terrence Brooks who was really good in the Alamo Bowl last year against Washington. I thought Terrence Brooks with how bad everyone else was besides maybe Quinn yours and Casey Kane like I thought Terrence Brooks was one of the upside guys on in that game and you know he had a couple of ups and downs but that's because he was a freshman last year but yeah man I I am not surprised by Malik Muhammad one bit here's the thing to watch in the rice game okay you're not gonna learn a ton you shouldn't it should be pretty much um over and out by the third quarter, but watch the substitutions at corner. And let's see who subs for Ryan Watts, because that's going to tell you if Ryan Watts is safe. Um, Because I'm hearing that that's, that's a quiet concern among the coaches are the big plays that have been given up by the corners in man coverage. Mm. And so just keep an eye on that substitution pattern. I'm not trying to say anything, but, Let's say it's it's as competitive a position group as there is on this team and no no job is safe and and or or even from a rotation. And that's that's impressive. I mean, if you can rotate four corners and there's no drop off man, you're ahead of the curve, because in this heat, you're able to keep guys fresh. That's an advantage, a huge advantage. So, yeah, yeah. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, it's very important. You know, Jalen Gilbo, he was hurt a lot last year, but I thought the time that he played as a freshman, he was solid. And John A. Barron, 
talk about another guy that got hosed for one of the all Big 12 teams. Like, he was amazing last Breakout year. Breakout last year. Yeah, man, he was terrific playing that nickel position. And again, led the team in tackles for loss. Come on, man. That's and he's an Austin kid. So that's, you know, he has a special place in my heart coming from Conley. But you're right, Chip, with all these guys in the secondary, if you have a lot of talent, then hopefully they're confident enough to rotate all of them. And I'm okay with no one being safe. That means that there's a lot of depth. Like, if no one's safe, that means these guys are battling. Iron sharpens iron. You need that. That's exactly what you want because there's been years, the past, or the past 10 years or so, where that wasn't the case, where if one guy got injured, you were completely mucked. It was, that was it. And hearing somebody like a Jaron Thompson in this press coverage, which talk about swagger, Jaron Thompson, talk about confidence and swagger, you know, coming from that safety position and, you know, him being in another year, he is very comfortable. And I think the secondary could be one of the best in the nation, not just the Big 12, but in the nation. If you have a healthy Jalen Catalan along you know, they, they got some dudes, Keaton Crawford, like they got some dudes. And I also been hearing some pretty good things about Derek Williams as a freshman coming in and not being scared. Derek Williams, Steve Sarkeesian compared his football IQ and ability to pick up um, the scheme to Kelvin Banks ability to pick it up that fast. And when you get lumped in with Calvin Banks, no coach would make that comparison unless he was truly um, like wowed by this kid's ability to pick things up. And I'm just telling you, Derek Williams is going to be a star for this football team. I don't know if it's this year, maybe it is on special teams, but remember you got Jalen Catalan and Jaron Thompson who are both, uh, seniors, and I think there's a COVID year. I know Catalan has more eligibility. Hell, he's starting his fifth college season. He's only played one full season. That scares um, me, man. I know, that I know, and I'm, I'm, that's me. why I say just leave Jalen Catalan on the field, football gods, because Texas fans have no idea how much fun this guy is to watch. Like I was talking to Jeff Trailer head coach at UTSA who was part of the recruiting team that brought Catalan to Arkansas when trailer was there with, with uh, Chad Morris and trailer said, he's the best. Like he's the best I've ever seen coming out of high school, best safety I've ever seen coming out of high school. He's like, when that guy's on the field, he is a disruptor. Like you can't believe. And, and that was when he was a red shirt freshman. He was all SEC and, and he hasn't, you know, he's missed some or most all of the last two seasons with the shoulder injuries. He, he had another cleanup surgery when he came to Austin, they feel like he's ready to go, but you can't tell that guy to play the game any differently than he plays it, which is all out full contact. I'm going to light you up and you're never going to be the same coming across the middle of our defense again. Because that's what Jalen Catalan does. He takes angles like Kenny Vaccaro took, Quandre Diggs. They they just have a they just have a sixth sense about exactly where to meet the ball carrier to to explode that guy. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's how you're supposed to play. That's the way the game's meant to be played. But at the end of the day, I, you know, you talk about when we were with Trey and Bucky comparison to Bob Sanders, which I compared them to Bob Sanders once upon a time too. And if you remember Bob Sanders coming out of Iowa and playing for the Indianapolis Colts, when he was available, dog. Absolute dog, defensive player of the year, Pro Bowl guy, helped them win that Super Bowl against the Bears where he was making plays. But majority of his pro career, he was hurt. He was on IR. He was in the tub. And both of those guys have that smaller stature. Like even Cam Chancellor, as big as he was playing for Legion of Boom, like he retired probably earlier than a lot of people thought that he could have. But just how those guys play, that reckless abandon, not caring where they're throwing their body, just making tackles, just making plays for, you know, better of the team like they can't help themselves so you can't tell that dude hey man tone it back a little bit no you can't say that but with that every time that he makes a hit I'm gonna be cringing I'm gonna be you know crossing my fingers a little bit just because with his injury history man like that makes you a little nervous but I think it's still a big time get and yeah man hearing that he's one of the best safeties that trailer ever seen like that's some high praise right there that's some serious high praise yeah i mean that dude is so important to this defense and texas fans don't even know it and i know there are the doubters out there who are like oh that kid can't stand the field i'm just telling you if he's on the field he is a massive difference maker and you could argue that Look, Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson were a, were a good safety tandem last year, but there were communication issues. The TCU game where, you know, Quentin Johnston, oh. doesn't get, he doesn't get passed off and suddenly he's wide open, like embarrassing no one else in the screen touchdown. And that kind of stuff with Jalen Catalan will not happen because Catalan will make sure everybody knows exactly what's going on and – there, there won't be coverage busts like that. And that's, that's, that's another thing that needs to get cleaned up going into this season because, look, they took on Gary Patterson's quarters match coverage last year. They got better as the year went on, but there were still a couple of games where it, it broke down. And, and so they'll get it together. And having a guy like Catalan who's seen it all and studies film like, like it's his favorite thing to do, he, he – that dude knows what's coming because he studied it. He sees the keys. He knows the tendencies to watch and, and he can communicate it more importantly. And that's, that's where even Jaron Thompson said, man, I'm learning from this guy. Um, and and Jaron Thompson's a four-year guy. And so that Catalan is huge to this team and, and to any, you know, big time, you know, conference championship hopes, college football playoff hopes Catalan's got to be in the middle of all of that because um he's just he changes your mind as you know if you're a receiver he changes your mind you if if you're looking and seeing where he is and he's shaded toward you and you're going over the middle and he's back people drop stuff when he's coming in you see these little alligator arms and the t-rex arms and the business decisions that's what he does to to good teams. So um, that's why I say just leave them out there, football gods, let them put on a show because 
uh, it'll be so fun to watch this dude. He is a, he's a missile. Yeah, absolutely. And you got guys like Michael Huff around campus and Michael Griffin, guys that have played the position at his top tier. And they're pissed like because they, they've been watching guys move from other positions to safety. Brendan Schooler moves from receiver to safety and Anthony Cook moves from nickel to safety. Griff was saying to me, he's like, what the hell's going on, man? Do we not have a bunch of safeties? What, where, where are we at in recruiting when we don't even have safeties replacing other safeties yeah and, and they they did they had a tom herman some of his guys held tyler owens remember him i do he's starting at tech <laughs> i mean Xavier alford usc i mean all these guys who transferred out of the texas program who should be you know who should have been playing instead of brendan schooler or Needing Anthony Cook to change positions. Now oh, they're loading up at safety. You've got Derek Williams. You've still got you know BJ Allen and Larry Turner Gooden. Those are those guys are good players. Um, I'm play. still salty. I'm still salty about BJ Foster's tenure. All the hype that he had coming out of East Texas, and all I remember of BJ Foster was him getting benched in that Kansas State game, last game of the season, and that five and seven uh, season because of the effort. And I was like, "Wow, this is where we are," <laughs> you right. know? Like, why is he still just, on the field? Right. Why is he still on the field? And he ended up transferring to Sam Houston. So, yeah, that safety room, it looks a lot different now, and it needs to look a lot different. Uh, going back to what you said about those Westlake guys, Colton Vosick and Ethan Berg, which it's always hard as a Bowie Bulldog to talk highly of a Westlake chaparral. But once you get to Texas, then, you know, you're good with me. That's why Justin Tucker and Sam Ellinger are both my guys. But you think about Ethan Berg and – what Sark said about him today being blue collar and coming from Westlake, which all they did was win. It's like Westlake blue collar. It sounds like an oxy freaking moron, just, you know, obviously, but that dude, when he was there and they were winning state championships every single year, led by K Klubnick, the Clemson quarterback, like you saw that toughness, you saw that grittiness, you saw that I don't take shit from nobody attitude and Colton Vosick's the same way. So even though both those guys are young, Ethan Burke being there a year more than Colton Vosick, those guys, they're going to surprise a lot of people. And once they can figure it out and get it together, hell, you heard Baron Sorrell call Colton Vosick baby Bosa, which – Baron, let's slow down real quick. Like, let's slow down. Those Bosa brothers, you know, Nick and Joey, those are some dogs right there. Like, Nick Bosa was defensive player of the year last year for the 49ers. And I get it. you got to have your comparisons and stuff. But if they're anywhere towards that, toward the Bosa brothers, or hell, Joey, Nick, it don't matter, I'll take that. And that's what you want to see because last year, even though this team got a ton of pressures, one of the top teams in pressures when it came to getting to the quarterback, they weren't one of the top teams in sacks. And that was very unfortunate. And I know they're making that a point of emphasis this year. Bo Davis, like all those guys, I know he's going to have them ready. And once they get into that backfield, you got to get that quarterback down. And if we see more of that this season, sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Jay Ward is, is asking us, uh, does Arch Manning have a TD pass to John Tate cook in the rice game? Why not? 
Yeah. Why not? Why I not? Mean, Arch, Malik. I mean, look, at some point, Sark's probably going to, you know, hand the football off to to uh, manage the game. But, I mean, if they get in the third quarter, why not? And it could just be a little catch and run touchdown. It could be just a little like Jonathan Brooks had in the uh, in the Alamo Bowl, just a little, you know, slip screen, and then he's slipping defenders all the way down the sideline for a for a touchdown. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants to see uh, as many players as they can on the field in that in that Rice game. Um, and Jay Ward also said I heard uh, Watts was getting burnt well he gave up a touchdown in the in the second scrimmage listen these guys are they're up against some of the best receivers and that's a that's a credit to Quinn and to these receivers for um and Sark for dialing up plays that are working and just like the offense is struggling to run the football against Devondre Sweat Byron Murphy Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton the defense is struggling to keep up with A.D. Mitchell, Jonte Cook, and Xavier Worthy in man coverage. I mean, that's that's what you want. That's what Sark wants. He wants one-on-ones, and he feels like he's got the guys to win those matchups. And Texas's DBs are going to come up on the short end against guys like A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah Nair from time to time. So it's, it's one of those, if someone's scoring, someone's getting beat, I'm not saying that Ryan Watt, Ryan Watts was a big, big time contributor to this defense last year. And I remember our boy, Michael Griffin saying that dude is not a corner. He's a safety. And then after about three games, Griff was like, okay, I've, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. This dude can cover this dude can flip his hips and go. So um, it's look, these receivers are no joke and, and you're going to give up some stuff. Uh, in these scrimmages and sometimes it's the way it's scripted sometimes they want you to work on your man you know but in a game they'll they'll play some cover two cover cover four um, just to keep everybody's eyes in the same place but um, you know look you're you're getting tested every day in practice against against the best the offensive line's getting tested and the the dbs are getting tested by these receivers yeah, yeah, and I feel like that's how everybody views it. If somebody is doing well, you know, you talk about who struggled on the other side, and that's kind of like what we see in the spring game. Oh, the offense looked great, but that means the defense is trash. Oh, the defense was amazing, but that means the offense needs some work, and you're always going to have that. But I'm not worried about Ryan Watts one bit. I think once the game start playing, he's really going to show that he's the top corner on this team. It's the other positions that I'm a little skeptical about, like who will it be from Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes, Malik Muhammad, like who's going to be on that other side and kind of like what we just talked about, Shep, are you going to be confident enough if you're Pete Kwiatkowski and Steve Sarkeesian to substitute guys and rotate players? Because at the end of the day, it's going to be very difficult not to when it's triple digits. (laughs) 
And, you know, you get into that fourth quarter, all the offseason training that you had, all the, you know, terrific conditioning, this and that, trying to practice in the middle of the day where it's hot outside, it's still not going to be the same as what game day is going to bring. And there's all that adrenaline and nerves that you have going into it. Like, that's a different type of fatigue that these guys are going to have to deal with. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited about this season. And again, there's just so much optimism with this team. And there should be like everybody and their mama is picking them to win the Big 12. And that's what you want. That's why you come to the University of Texas. Like you expect to be right there in the mix of things every single season as one of the top teams in the nation. And we haven't seen that for a very long time. And a lot of these other blue bloods, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, they've been reign supreme. And the University of Texas, they've taken the back seat. Well, you're about to go to the SEC and you want to put on the show in the Big 12. You can't allow these things to happen. And even though Steve Sarkeesian has had his bumps and bruises, his roller coaster type of, you know, couple of two years while he's here, he's done everything right to now. You know, with his recruiting class, his coaching staff, like, you know, we talked about earlier and how, you know, you said what Sean Adams used to say, how A's attract A's and B's attract C's and stuff like that. Like there's some coaches that it's very hard for them to give up power. They don't like that. They always want to be the last say. They don't want their coaches, you know, assistants doing any interviews and stuff like that. They want everything to ride on him. And You know, I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm sure some coaches have been very successful with that type of philosophy. But at the end of the day, your assistants and coordinators and position coaches, they got to be on point, too. They got to have head coach aspirations. And if they don't, then, hey, you're wasting time here. Like they have to have that same respect that you do, but you have to be confident and comfortable with yourself as a head coach to say, okay, I'm going to let this coach do his thing. And when it's my time to take over and, you know, make my name on something, I'll do that. And it's looking like that in 2023. And that's very exciting. Well, Zay and I have spent, uh, almost the entire show talking um, Texas football. We, we do have other stuff lined yeah, up. We'll, we'll, we'll mix it up. But, you know, this ain't the only show. This is just the first one, baby. We're, yeah, we're we just, we're, you know, look, Steve Sarkeesian, the second scrimmage, we had a lot to talk about, but we'll, we'll we've got commentaries for you. We'll have guests. Um, I do want to ask you, Zay, you said you had some about Sam Cosme. Yes, man. Sam Cosme, former Texas offensive lineman. Now he is with the Washington Commanders. And he said something very interesting about the preseason game coming up against the Baltimore Ravens, which the Baltimore Ravens, their preseason record is ridiculous. They've won the last 24 preseason games. Haven't had a loss. Zero. So Sam was asked about that, and he said – I think it's a stupid record. Like, who gives a shit? And he said shit, too. It's <laughs> who gives a shit about preseason games. If we beat them, great. We're going to beat them. So so Sam Cosme, you know, again, it's preseason, whatever. But 
he's starting to come into his own. And now I think he's being moved from right guard to right tackle or right tackle to right guard. So that's, you know, more of his comfort zone, what we saw from him at Texas being a second round pick. But I like that. I, I like that. You know, I like that toughness, you know, take the game seriously, even though it's a preseason game, it doesn't matter. Even though he said, who cares about preseason? He was just kind of like, Hey, we're going to beat them. We're ready. Like it, it doesn't matter. So I respect it. Uh, hey, I respect it. Connor Williams and Sam Cosme were two three-star recruits that no one got excited about. And those dudes turned into NFL players. And you got to – both of them talk about mean streak. Those dudes – those dudes have mean streak. And they – surpassed any expectation of their time at Texas. It does not surprise me that Cosme would be salty like that about that question. And plus you ask an NFL player about preseason, they get pissed because they're not really getting paid for those games. And that's mm. what they get game checks after the 17 regular season games. That's it. They're, they're getting like 900 bucks a week. In training camp, it's some stupid, ridiculous, lowball number. And so they're putting their lives on the line, their careers on the line for preseason games. So they're like, man, don't be asking me about preseason games. But yeah, man. Cosme, he's salty, man. He is salty. Let's see I what appreciate he's got. That. He's I, protecting I Sam that. Howell. Yeah. Ah, man. Yeah, that's – it's going to be an interesting year for the newly hired offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, coming from. Okay, Kansas let me City. let me throw this one at you, Zay. Let me throw this Patrick one at you because I stayed up Saturday night. Uh, Zay and I hung out um, Saturday. I stayed up Saturday night for that UFC fight between Sugar Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain Sterling, the the champion. I thought Sterling was going to sort of put an end to the Sugar Show. And then in the second round, Sugar Sean O'Malley caught Aljamain Sterling with a flush right that basically ended the fight. And now Sugar Sean O'Malley is the champ. He's got the belt. Dana White put it on him. And I'm going, oh, Lord, what are we in for with this guy? But I'm just saying, I did not see that coming. I thought it was going to be. Lights out on the Sugar Show, and the Sugar Show is just getting started. So um, that was that was one of my "Do You Care" headlines from from the weekend. But um, yeah, you can't oh take man. nobody lightly. It no matter who you step in that octagon with, I know all those guys are big time alpha males and feel like they can beat the hell out of anybody that they face. But you get humbled real quick if you don't train the right way or, you know, you just take your opponent too lightly, you will get humbled real quick. So I'm not surprised one bit. Oh. Some of these guys who have the title and get in that octagon and think that they're the man and hot shit and then a couple of punches, they down and out. I love it. Out. I love it. Um, my girl Salty said, take my name out your mouth, Chip. Okay, I got you. I see you. Um, hey, anything else, Zay, before we, uh, as we wind it down, the two-minute warning? Um, uh, tomorrow we got to talk about who you play golf with. 
what happened with that because not too many people have that luxury of playing golf with the skipper david peters we're gonna have to get into that tomorrow man yeah i need need the down low on that for sure i'll I'll tell you the story about that that uh came out came about in a very uh interesting way it was it was very uh impromptu but um yeah that's a good tease right there yeah. Man, you're hey, good at this I'll, radio thing, Zay. I've had a little practice. I had a little practice, but all I'm saying, now that you're the pitching coach, coach, I just you might not be able to play as much as you used to. That's all I'm saying. You got a little bit more responsibility than you've had in recent years. Let's just, you know, keep that in mind, coach. Keep that in mind, Skip. Hey, he was the pitching coach for Wayne Graham at Rice when they were going to the College World Series in the early 2000s. And, uh, and so I think, I think David's like, you know what? I got some things that I want my guys to do. And I think it's going to make them better pitchers. And if he wants it done, he's going to do it himself. So it, uh, he's not afraid. I'll tell you that he's not afraid to bet on himself. And I loved it. I I will say this. I asked (laughs) Troy Tulowitzki's back and he's head of player development and it's an off the field role. And he's like, I love all these people asking me what Troy Tulowitzki does. He's like, he's Troy Tulowitzki. Yeah. Like, that's his title. He's just <laughs> Troy Tulowitzki. Don't, don't uh-huh. ask if he's the infielders or the batter, you know, working with the, he's Troy Tulowitzki. He's baseball. He just eats, drinks and sleeps baseball and passes that on to everyone in his path. I thought that was funny. Um, all right, Zay, man. Good All right, stuff. Great first Good show. Stuff. We'll be back tomorrow, one to three. Chip and Zay going down on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Let's go. All right. Appreciate it, everybody. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Y'all tune in for Bucky and BK, 8 to 10, then Trey and BK from 12 to 1. Then we're right behind them. Chip and Zay, one to three every day. You'll hear us. See y'all tomorrow. Holla. Holla.